Tennessee Titans suck. Super Bowl week. How pumped are you for watching this game on Sunday, John? Uh, I'm still a little bitter. <laughs> I kind of wish we were in Miami. I think this is the least excited I've ever been for a Super Bowl. You know, that's a good thing. Just because I know we're that good and I know that we had a magical run. So it, it sucks to watch any team other than us playing in it. Obviously, things didn't go how we planned. But at the same time, I feel like in the playoffs, we were punching above our weight in. The 49ers would have been probably the toughest team we had to play outside of the Chiefs. I wish we were in the game, but at the very least... I've got no dog in it, and I can just enjoy the last game of football for at least, like, six months. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. XFL season kicks off, buddy, <laughs> and I, I am pumped. Lady, yeah. you told me as the game two weeks ago wound down, and it was clear that Kansas City was going to beat us and go to the Super Bowl. You said, I, I'm not rooting for these guys. I, I'm not going. I'm just not going to do it. Has two weeks sort of leveled that out? Who, I know you said you don't have a rooting interest, but I think we all have some sentiment. Well, I'm going to go back against what I said on Sunday. The bitterness has worn off. Even though they beat us, I hope that the Chiefs win just because it's been so long for them since they've even reached the Super Bowl. Obviously, the 49ers made this decade, even though they haven't won since 94, but the 49ers have five Super Bowls. They won with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks. They had the greatest football player ever play for them. The Chiefs haven't had that history, and I just really want a fan base that for so long has been down trying to finally reach the ultimate goal because i know if we were i was in their shoes i want to when i want to break the streak of what 50 years since they've even been to a super bowl years. like the 49ers have won five since they last went to a super bowl they've had enough i hope the chiefs win i think that's the nfl kind of objective fan thought i think you said it very well there john i asked him that because i too have sort of come around because when he said that two weeks ago i was like yeah screw him but I like Andy Reid. I always have. I think he's innovative. I like that he's like 61 years old, but he's like new school. Like he's always like trying new things. And I like Pat Mahomes. You know what? I like their fans. I, I yeah. think their fans were, were good when they were down here. I heard some stories about how they were they were pretty good hosts up there. So big problem with San Francisco. I know my dad's a big fan of like Mike Shanahan from the day. So he's rooting for Kyle Shanahan. And I really am excited to watch this. Curious of who you're rooting for and let's just talk a little bit about this is going to be an awesome matchup because these are two very well coached teams these guys have had two weeks to prepare i think we're going to see a really good game and some fireworks right well to answer in short screw them <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I i i obviously am not as bitter as i was two weeks ago i still would be i'm still going to pull for the niners I wish that Andy Reid could win without the Chiefs winning because being from Pennsylvania, I've always had a fondness for Andy Reid and what he's done. And I think he's a great coach and maybe one of the best we've seen. You know, I think he might go down as one of the best ever. So I really would like him to win one. It's kind of hard to root against somebody like Pat Mahomes and some of the people that they have. And part of me is kind of curious to see what happens if the Chiefs win because that just strengthens Pat Mahomes's chance of getting this massive contract something we've never seen before so i wonder if it'll even push that number up even more than what people are thinking so curious on that but honestly i'm still a little bitter so i want the i want the niners to win I have gone back and forth to who I think is going to win this game. As I've told you guys before on this podcast, a good pass rush is really hard to beat in a Super Bowl. They have a lot of names. Nick Bosa is an excellent player as a rookie. Some of those other guys, yeah, they look great in the uniform and they'll get after it. I, they're going to have to go out and do it, but they have the potential to really get after Pat Mahomes. But Pat Mahomes is obviously going to be ready to play, and just the way he looked against us, it was terrific when they came back against Houston. I have gone back and forth. This is a push em game for me. What do you guys think? Landon, what do you think? Uh, what's your gut feeling on uh, who's going to win this game Sunday? My gut feeling is, like you said, it's a pick em. I believe the line is one, one half to the Chiefs. That reflects that the casual fan, the the betting public likes the glitz and the glamour. Patrick Mahomes, last year's MVP, all these super fast, explosive offensive plays. But it's really a pick em because they match up really well. The strings on offense match up really well. Kansas City's passing offense and San Francisco's defense. It really just comes down to the Chiefs' defense. How well can they match up against this 49ers run offense that is just absolutely spectacular? They, they blew out the Packers in the championship game. And Jimmy G threw eight times and had like 48 yards. I, if, he had, if that had happened in the 70s and 60s, that would have been a normal stat line maybe. But in today's day and age, if your quarterback doesn't throw for... If your quarterback doesn't throw 15 times, how are you winning a playoff game? It's just unreal. It's really interesting to see if they can finally stop the run game. They were able to stop our run game when we looked unstoppable. We had the 
most unstoppable force in the NFL for a time with Derrick Henry, and they were able to limit him. So it'll really just be, can the 49ers run 42 times again against this Chiefs team? Or are they going to have to put the ball in Jimmy G's hands and trust him to make plays when he hasn't had to at all this whole playoff run? Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to, to seeing how it goes. Like you guys said, I'm sort of back down to earth mainly. I, it's still going to be, I think, when this game starts, I'm going to be like, ah, we were so close. But I'm back to where I can, you know, kind of get excited for this game. Guys, let's talk about our impending free agents and do this as a primer going in and kind of seeing what the decisions our team, our front office is batting around right now. Uh, this stuff is going to happen a few months from now, but these decisions are kind of being hatched out right now, at least the contingencies. We want all of our listeners to know who is a pending free agent and what we think might happen in some other scenarios. So uh, we've talked obviously at length about Ryan Tannehill and Derek Henry. We'll talk about that in, them again, but we need to go down the list because this team could shuffle around a little bit, right, John? Oh yeah. There are plenty of guys that need to get paid and obviously there's only so much money to spend. So we've got to be pretty smart about the guys that we decide to pay. And I think there are a few names that are worthy of a decent contract, the opportunity to stay around. But I think there are obviously some guys that there are guys that we can afford to let walk. Let's talk a little bit about semantics and numbers. Salary cap is expected to be about $200 million for this next year. We're going to talk in contracts, but guaranteed money is what matters. Franchise tags. Of course, there's a consideration that we might franchise Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. I don't think Derrick Henry would come to camp if we franchise him. That number for running backs is comparatively low. Just the last few guys we've seen uh, kind of high-profile guys the last couple of years just don't win their franchise. Le'Veon Bell, for example. The quarterback franchise tag number projection for 2020 is $27 million, $26,895,000. And for running backs, it's $12,474,000. So $12.5 basically $27 million. Uh, those are the only two guys we would consider franchising. Let's start there, guys. Landon, do you agree with me that Derrick Henry probably is not going to come to camp if we try to franchise him, right? Absolutely not. He's got so much wear and tear on his body. He had so much wear and tear even before entering the NFL. Then this past season... He had 100 carries in three straight games, or he had 100 carries over three games. He led the NFL in rushing attempts despite missing a game. He's beat up. He needs that second contract. As we've seen with Le'Veon Bell, Zeke Elliott, when guys are near the end of their contract and they want long-term money, they'll sit out. They'll risk a year of their career. They'll stay healthy. They won't get any more wear and tear on their joints and their body. They'll just come back the next year and either the team trades them, lets them walk, or acts stubborn and loses them for nothing like the Steelers. The Steelers could have moved Le'Veon Bell, gotten something for him, or even just paid him straight up. But he just sat out a year, he held firm, and they walked and they got nothing out of it but a disintegrated relationship between a great player. So for me, what's interesting, John, is the franchise dynamic between Tannehill is different than that for Henry because Henry is going to want to get paid just because of the shelf life of running backs and the wear and tear is landing so well put there. Tannehill, it could be leverage for a new contract. They could franchise him just to give more time to, to negotiate, right? And he's already made $75 million in his career or whatever, so I don't think it's this, and the number is so much bigger. Ryan Tannehill is probably not going to balk at a franchise, right? I don't know that it'll come to that. It seems like the working relationship in a short time is so good. They're going to come to some kind of understanding and let him in on probably their plans for the offseason. I could see them coming to, coming to him and say, hey, if you take less in market value, it's going to be spent this way. What do you think? That does happen. We've seen that happen with quarterbacks a lot. Uh, I can see them doing that or just franchising and uh, kind of kicking the can down the road, John. Yeah, I think, you know, Kirk Cousins and his approach really changed the market on the franchise tag for quarterbacks. It's, you know, not really a bad thing anymore to kind of play your way into a new contract. And I think, I honestly think that franchising Ryan Tannehill, even though it's a big number, I mean, $27 million, it's a lot. Really, he hasn't played a full season for us. He's He played great. We've talked about this on other podcasts. He's not that quarterback you walk into a game and other teams fear. To me, he's slightly above a game manager, and I just don't really know if, you know, I want to see him do more, uh, you know, before we hand him some long-term deal. So I think franchising is the right move, and then, you know, obviously we can pay Derrick Henry and keep them both and keep them both pretty happy. And like you, like you both said, Henry probably wouldn't report if he signed a, if we tagged him. I don't think he's a guy that would go to the length of missing a whole year. But, you know, it's funny I was while you guys were talking about that, I was thinking, man, we drafted him as a high second-round pick. It would have been great if we could have found a way to trade into the first round at the very end of it and get that fifth year on him. 
you know, essentially kind of wait for that to kind of play out, don't you think? Well, think of it this way. He was our third pick in that second round. So if we wanted him so badly, we would have picked him, you know, True. we had the 33rd pick. Secondly, the fifth-year option is probably about as much as the franchise tag. So, right. yeah, but the semantics are better on that. Although some guys balk at the fifth-year option like Melvin Gordon did. So, no, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that. But I do think that uh, there's more sense of urgency with Henry. If you look at algorithms of recent deals that have been signed, his market value is about $13.7 million, maybe $14 million a year. I'm going to think he's going to want to be the highest-paid guy. It, all of, a lot of this depends on how they feel, their agent. This guy's not made big money in his career like comparatively to what these other guys have. Landon, what's it going to take? I'd say it's going to take 15 or 15 and a half. Ezekiel Elliott got 3.3 years guaranteed. That really that contract really hurts us. His market value is about 14. Is could this get ugly? Well, as to the value of the contract, I expect it to be around fifth per year with three years guaranteed, a bit less than Zeke Elliott, because Zeke Elliott had the leverage that he was drafted fourth overall. He was the engine of their offense, and he could have. And with Derrick Henry, he's not the complete back that Zeke Elliott is. He's not a true third down back. There's a reason Deion Lewis, as ineffective as he was this past season, was on the field so much. Derrick Henry is not a good pass blocker, and he's not a good receiver. He's not a complete back, and only the complete backs so far have gone the massive contracts so far. But at the same time, he. He's the best runner in the NFL. There's no one I'd rather have toting the rock over a full season. No one I'd rather have ice the game in the fourth quarter of a cold playoff game. So he's got that leverage, and our offense is built around him. Tannehill is so good because he's so efficient. The play action with Henry brings defenses in. He's efficient. He makes big-time throws, but he's not going to chuck it all over the field. Tannehill wasn't a high-volume guy at all. Now, he was first in a ton of efficiency metrics, but he's not a guy where you put the entire load of offense on him. So by paying Henry, we're also, in a way, helping out Tannehill because we're alleviating pressure on him to perform that overall elevates our offense's performance. I think they're backed in a corner here with Henry. So quick hit me, guys. Does it get done with Henry, and what's the amount? Landon, start with you. I think at the end of the day, it does get done because it'll only be three years guaranteed. So by the end of it, when he reaches the end of his primary, he starts to wear down. We can get off. I'd say overall, it's 15 per year, three guaranteed. So Derrick Henry is going to make $45 million over the next three years to be our lead offensive player. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to want to pay him 14. I think he's going to want to be the highest paid guy at 15 and a half. And I think hopefully they'll settle at 15, three years guaranteed, and this doesn't get ugly. Because it could. These running backs, and, and I don't blame them. They've got to, they've got to strike while the iron's hot for them. John, what's your prediction? Does it get done? What is it going to look like? Yeah, I think you guys are actually right on with this. I think it gets done. I think it gets done for the number in the years that you guys are talking about. And I think his biggest bargaining chip when he you know comes back off the 14 Name me another player that is more crucial to an offensive game plan than than Derrick Henry. I'd be surprised if there are that many out there. So obviously his value is just so immense for us and what we do. So I think he's got all the leverage here, and I really think that's kind of what's going to happen. I think the list is short, and I think they're all quarterbacks that have a bigger impact than him, him and Christian McCaffrey, because in obviously different ways. But you're right, that list would be very short. And ultimately, I think he's going to get what he wants you know, if they're being reasonable based on what you just said. Let's go Tannehill. When does it get done? How does it get done? And what's your prediction? Is he going to play on the franchise tag this year? Uh, Are they going to get a long-term deal done? And what do you think the money is going to be? I mentioned earlier that I could see them coming to him and saying, look, market value is 28. Yes, uh, I know, John, you called him a game manager. There's evidence maybe he could go back to being that, but he was more than that. uh, Well, I think he was more than a game manager. That's been before uh, he had that, but he, he showed us a lot. But... 10 games is 10 games. It, it's it's good. I could see them wanting more, but I could also see them wanting the flexibility to not pay him $28 million next year on a franchise tag. I think that he's the kind of guy, and a family guy is already kind of settled. He's 31 years old. Why not take 23, and we'll give you, you know, four years guaranteed? Because he's entitled to on the open market, he'd be entitled to Kirk Cousins' contract, Nick Foles' contract in that 28 range. So he can get that if he wants, but he could also take 23, which uh, I know a big number. And that $5 million we're going to talk about a little later could be really crucial for them, hopefully bringing back Jack Conklin or, or someone like that. So what's your prediction, John, on uh, what that number's going to finally be? I really just think it's going to be, I think we're going to tag him. I think that's what's going to happen for Tannehill. So it's going to be that 
the $27 million. And um, I think that's just kind of where we're going to sit with it. Now, there are a lot of uh, quarterback options that we can look at uh, uh, with the Chargers. Well, not better saying, than that. 28 no. million. And if it doesn't work out, they walk away. I think you made a good point earlier when you're like, yeah, I mean, they buy more time. They yeah. spend it. They're going to have to give him north of $20 million anyway. So why not hedge your bet? Give him 28 and run it back next year because we'll have 16 more games to know. You make a really compelling argument. I talk myself into, oh, we'll do this and get this settled and whatever, but ultimately, you're right. I, I think that that's going to be tough to beat because ultimately they can just say, well, wait and see. Here's $28 million. We have it. I think that's what happens. I, I you know, I'm not convinced that, you know, giving Tannehill a long-term deal is the, is the key. It might save us a million or two, but um, I think overall just doing the, ta- you know, tra- tagging him and Trying to keep as many other core players as we can is kind of what is what we're going to do. Landon, John makes a uh, really compelling point for the franchise tag. What do you think happens with uh, Tannehill? I think he'll certainly be tagged, and I wouldn't expect a deal to be done until after the NFL draft because they have until early summer to negotiate a long-term deal for franchise players. So we can we can franchise him, have him under team control, and then let the draft play out. Who knows, maybe a talented quarterback falls to us. And you just can't pass up the opportunity and you take him. And then Tannehill is a one-year mentor like Alex Smith was. And you take this new guy. You sit him. You develop him. And then you've got a potential Patrick Mahomes situation. Not where he's Pat- this new guy is Patrick Mahomes. But you've got a potential franchise quarterback on a cheap rookie deal. And he's really young. And he's had the opportunity to sit a year and develop. If you sign Tannehill long-term before then then it's kind of like the Nick Foles situation where he's got a lot of money tied up in your cap long term, but you've also got this really good young guy that you want to see on the field at the same time, but you can't really have them both out there at the same time. So I don't think a deal, a long-term deal, will be done until after the draft. And overall, I would expect him to play out on the franchise tag because this is this is going to be his third contract. He obviously had his rookie deal, then he signed a second contract with Miami, and that was the negotiated win. He was traded here, they picked up the last of the bonus. So he's not hurting for money. He was a first-round quarterback back he's signed two pretty good deals it's more a matter of pride than anything else it's not like derrick henry where it's a matter of financial need he needs derrick henry needs to get paid as much as he possibly can ryan Tannehill has been paid a lot it's not the end of the world if he takes a bit less guaranteed right now in return for playing well and then getting a big contract later on when he's proved that he can consistently be the guy we saw last year guys let's talk a little bit about our cap number uh, the projected the projected 2020 nfl salary cap is 199 million dollars we're going to roll over nearly 21 million so we're going to have about $220 million to spend. We have $168 million on the books right now. We have hardly any dead money, which is a credit to, I think, our our, our front office there. So we're going to end up, we have a little more than $51 million in, in projected cap room space. We're going to add to that. So if we go 51 and then we say, we're 51 and we say 28 for Tannehill to, uh, to franchise him, and then let's say 15 for Henry. That's just going to leave us with eight. But what I want to talk about now is because it's uh, the NFL, these contracts are not guaranteed. We could save a lot of cap money by cutting some guys. And I've got a few predictions and I want y'all y'all to tell me what you think. Guys, I think we're going to cut Cameron Wake and save five and a half million dollars off of his cap number. He We have to pay him 2.6 anyway, but he's scheduled to make 8.2. And uh, unfortunately, I think we'll cut Delaney Walker He's 35 years old. We'll save $6.5 million if we cut him. Honestly, I think we'll uh, certainly cut Deion Lewis and save $4 million there. So that's $16 million. Guys, if we cut those guys loose, we'll start with you, John. What's your gut feeling on those three? And are there, is there anybody else that you think could be sort of a, a casualty of us finding room? I think Deion Lewis is gone. I think Delaney Walker is gone. As much as that, like you said, it stinks to say because Delaney Walker is a fan favorite and we all love that guy. But, I mean, when you look at the last two years, we pretty much paid him for two touchdowns in one game. And he is a legend, but if his number yep. wasn't that out, six and a half million dollars, right. and we're going to have to try to bring back some guys or maybe just hit the market. I just think it's one of those things that's going to have to be done, right? And I, he knows that. Yep. I mean, he knows that he's he's a true pro and he understands the situation. So I, I really just, I, I don't see him being here next year. And Dion Lewis, I can't pack it. Can I pack his bags now? Sorry, Dion, but kind of ready to see you move on to your next team and save us some money there. Cam Wake is a tougher one for me, but I think I have to agree with you just because of his availability and it hasn't been what we all hoped it would be i mean really the first like is very similar to delaney walker first game he came out blazing and had two and a half sacks and that was 
kind of the end. <laughs> so really unfortunate there, but I think he's a guy that we'll probably move on from. I think there's some other guys on the roster or specifically some free agents we don't need to bring back or need to worry about bringing back. Um, but but yeah, I think those three are really prime targets, guys that are going to be gone. Landon, we don't have a lot of bad contracts. The only other guy you could look at is Malcolm Butler. We'd save $7 million for not bringing him back, but he was playing well enough that uh, we're going to want to see him uh, next year, especially not knowing whether we're going to get Logan Ryan back, right? Yeah, I feel like Butler is pretty safe because he was a big reason why our defense was so spectacular right, early. the first six games of the season. Logan yeah. Ryan yeah, was amazing because he could stay in the slot. But with Butler here, he had to play outside and the whole defense dropped off. And I, I was think- thinking about that today, how when he left, we were we were different. We were uh, a little more bend than break. I mean, they played well down the stretch, but I agree totally. And there's one more guy I think that's a lock to be cut, and it's Ryan Suckup. And it's hard because two of my favorite players of the old guard, even though they weren't that old overall, Delaney Walker and Suckup, have just kind of been torn down by injuries and just the grind of the NFL because you take Delaney Walker, Ryan Suckup of five years ago, put them on this team now, it's amazing. But their combined cap hit of $12 million, when we can save $8 million by cutting them, Suckup was terrible, Delaney Walker can't play. Just the math doesn't work out for those two, and it's hard to say goodbye to players that were good for us when we were bad, but it's just part It's just part of the business. I don't expect Suckup to be back. You can add him into that group of three you mentioned earlier. So they'll save $2 million if they cut Ryan Suckup, landed. What's the strategy that? And just because there's just not a lot of kickers out there, uh, you got to really do your homework and, and get lucky with a guy. If they'll save $2 million, but they might have to, will they try to spend that money on a veteran to bring him back? Or they're just worried about his uh, performance this past year? Or, or what, what do you think they go at kicker if they cut him? I think we would probably look at just kind of the unpicked up market, even the undrafted market. There's some guys coming into the draft that have been long-term players in college football that have been really good. Ryan Suckup was never the most powerful kicker. His accuracy was amazing, but it wasn't the power. And with a groin injury, we could tell his accuracy suffered. And if you're an accurate but not strong kicker and your accuracy goes... And what are what's your use to a football team? As sad as it is to say, that's fair. That's a little more interesting because the money's not quite there. But yeah, that that got uh, ugly. Like my my hope is that he could make um, a full comeback. But so much of the game is mental. Uh, I think they might be shrewd and kind of move forward. Uh, that would be interesting. So let's say they did cut those three guys, uh, and let's say four guys. So we go fifty one, six and a half, five and a half, plus four, plus two, sixty nine million dollars. So let's say we franchise Ryan Tannehill. That's 41 and we have to give Derrick Henry 15. Guys, we're playing moving forward. We're going to play with $26 million, okay? So the next guy up is Jack Conklin. So Jack Conklin's market value, we saw him play better this year, um, but we've seen him play better. He was good down the stretch, but I don't think Titans fans see him as great, but good. But we've seen good right tackles get great money in the last few years. Uh, His market value is $15 million. Uh, It just is, uh, because you could see the LA Rams, they find room or heck any, just name a team. Definitely like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're 14th in the league in cap space. We have a lot of good players and we have a lot of cap space. Now, I know we have to pay our two best offensive players, but we we have a, a good amount of money. The Buccaneers have more than anybody. I could see a lot of teams throwing that at him. So we're going to, regardless of whether you think Jack Conklin's worth $15 million a year, he's going to get that. John, your prediction, is he going to get that from us? Uh, it's a gut feeling, but I, I feel like Conklin's going to find a way to stay on this team. Maybe he gets it done at less than $15 million. Maybe he signs a multi-year deal that lowers his cap hit this year. I think the the Titans run office and John Robinson, they're going to get creative with trying to bring Jack back. But I think if it comes to a number that we can't afford, they're not going to be afraid to let him walk. So I tend to think he'll be back. Maybe, you know, maybe he gets something different where it's like 13 this year and then it, it, it bumps up years after that um, based on his play. But I just have a feeling like, like he'll be back. If not, I know what we're drafting. Yeah, absolutely. The, and that's my next question. But, Landon, what, what do you think happens with Conklin? And do you I, think you've paid I – don't, I don't know that he was going to give a hometown discount to a team that didn't have enough faith in him to give him a fifth-year option, right? I, I, I don't know that the – relationship is fractured but I, I think the guy would be willing to move on well he's going to take the most money because he won't be franchised so he gets to choose he was a top eight pick so he's made plenty of money but good offensive linemen are in short supply he's going to get so much money thrown on him he'll probably get a trent brown contract from last year he's easily the top offensive tackle on the market this year when you combine how good they play in their age the other guys that are out there are like 
Andrew Whitworth, Jason Peters, who are all really old. Jack Conklin is still really young. For the amount we're going to pay him, he's an above average right tackle. You don't pay an above average right tackle 14, 15 million. Taylor Lewan was Pro Bowl, fringish second team All Pro, so you can justify paying him. But just above average for 15 million, that's just so much of your cap space invested into a guy who's pretty good, but doesn't really space invested into a guy who's pretty good, but doesn't really elevate your team. Okay, what would complicate our dealings with Tannehill would be. We could transition tag him because he'll be so sought after. Plenty of teams will want to sign him to get the top offensive tackle. We could put the transition tag on Conklin. And then if a team throws a massive offer sheet at Conklin, we can let them sign him. We get draft compensation back from that team. But it comes at the cost of we can't use our franchise tag as leverage over Ryan Tannehill. So we'd have to be more invested into Tannehill long term. But if we don't think Jack Conklin is worth the massive amount of money he's going to get, we should at least try and get some draft assets out of it. Yeah, we see that transition tag used pretty lightly lately because it, there's so many complications to it. Like you said, not being able to franchise a player usually after that or the poison bill contracts of uh, years past. And teams are hesitant to give draft compensation. But for me, yeah, Jack Conklin may not be worth $15 million a year, but the question is who plays right tackle for us? There are not a lot of uh, – I think there were more good tackles and guards when the game was uh, played differently in college. Those guys are hard to come by. And we saw that this guy, Jack Hungan, who's a good player but not overly athletic, wasn't seen as having a really high upside, go top ten. And we see these guys get reached on more and more each year. So the big question is, yeah, you're, you're right. But, John, that leads us in a precarious situation, right? We all like Dennis Kelly, but uh, that, that would be a, a tough – and – we're picking 29th, and uh, we've seen, like I said, the last couple of years, a tackle that we all think is going to go in the second round goes like 22nd. So who would play right tackle? Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, um, Dennis Kelly is our next option, but problem is he's a free agent too. So I don't think he definitely won't cost $15 million because, you know, he's playing it right now this this past year he was playing for a little uh, right around $1.5 million. So that's the deal of the century. So maybe he'd come back at something like maybe a legitimate contract with maybe a three-year three-year deal. Who knows? Eight million? Well, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, he could have got more money on the open market before, and I think he'll he'll find a way to get back. But yeah. So, but I mean, even then, are you? We all like him, and he is a good player. Are you like going to be okay the first week of September? Like, yeah, Dennis Kelly, right tackle. Let's do it. Playoffs. I'm I'm not as excited as I would be if. We had Conklin sticking around or, I mean, you know, maybe this is our opportunity to draft another right tackle. I just, our drafts lately have been hit or miss with linemen. You know, you look at Chance Warmack and, you know, if Conklin washes out, it's just like, man, well, the, the capital we've invested. So Well, we did get some good play out of Conklin that first year and then and now, so, I mean, I can handle that. And to me, Chance Warmack is the previous front office. That's, that's Old Testament to me, but, but you're right. We have uh, invested a lot. I am interested, but even then at 29 or in the second round, we're going to pick a guy to be like, yeah, right tackle, right out the gate. He's going to do, I mean, we're going to have expectations for a deep playoff run, uh, at least to start the season. We'll see what happens. So it well, just seems weird to me because I don't know that we can pay Conklin $15 million and so, because we got like Dennis Kelly, Correa, Guys, we'd like to see get back. This money evaporates. It, um, not it to mention Logan Ryan. So uh, he does seem like the odd man out. But I'm trying to figure out how we would. Who's going to play? Well, it is weird too. But you know, I mean, if I think last off season we thought it would be weird to pin Nate Davis in as a starter, and you know, it took him a couple games and it took him a little while to get up to it. But now he's a starter, and he started the you know our entire playoff run. So I don't think it's unrealistic to think we can take a guy earlier and plug him in at right tackle. Um, obviously, it's a little bit more difficult with a tackle than a guard, but it's possible. But obviously, I think Conklin would be our best option. Definitely not most the most cost efficient, but I think that's where John Robinson, you know, is worth his weight in gold, and that's where he figures things out. So I'm hoping he's got a creative plan. Landon, uh, are you okay with Dennis Kelly nursing that position for several weeks until we see whoever we draft in the first or second round? Would you be comfortable with that? I mean, we saw him basically take over for Luan. It wasn't pretty, but we didn't lose all his games because of him. I'd be fine if Kelly had to play for half a season. I wouldn't feel good about him going into the playoffs, but he's shown that he can play either tackle. He played well for Luan. 
when LeWan was suspended. And when Conklin was coming back from injury two seasons ago and he wasn't that great, Kelly actually stepped in and played pretty yeah. well at right tackle. Right. So I'm confident we can get decent level play out of him. And like we saw with Nate Davis, we thought Kevin Panfield was going to contend for a starting position at right guard. That well, never developed. That guy. And then Nate Davis ended up being thrown into the fire, and he struggled early on, but he learned to adjust, and we've shown that our system, you find these smaller school athletic guys who just need to sit and learn a bit. You give them a little bit of time to learn, then you throw them in the fire, let them adjust, and when it comes down to crunch time into the season, they're ready to go. I can certainly I see that. Yeah. Take a second-round, third-round tackle. They don't really play behind Kelly, and then if Kelly's not that great, then put him in there see what you got. And if Kelly's good, then they can just end develop. You don't have to worry about it. It's one thing to take a calculated risk on an interior guy, guard, and uh, that that's risky in itself. I think it's another to do that at tackle. We see teams do it. Really, maybe not contenders, but there's just not enough of these guys to go around. It's going to be really interesting. What's your ultimate prediction? I'm, I'm, I don't think that we can keep Conklin and then keep pretty much anybody after that. Uh, really, uh, like Logan Ryan or Correa or any of these guys. So, And I wonder, what, them not picking up his fifth-year option, if he didn't already sort of have his mind on, I guess he will have a lot of suitors, have a lot of interesting opportunities. What's your ultimate prediction, Landon, for Conklin? I think any of the day, he's not back. Either we do this route with the transition tag that I don't think will happen just because teams don't like to use it, and he goes to another team, or another team just throws – this massive contract add in that we really can't afford with this roster because some teams, they've got a young rookie quarterback or they don't have a quarterback situation at all, so they don't have to worry about paying for a quarterback so they can afford to invest in other things. An offensive tackle is the second most valuable position on offense behind said quarterback. You just shell out for a guy who's pretty good, the best available, and then you just try and establish a foundation because he's going to get $15 million a year. He's going to get top tackle money just because of scarcity. John, ultimately, what? What's your what's your gut on Conklin? I think we let Conklin go. I think we try the Dennis Kelly route and draft a guy. But also, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, because like you said, I don't really see us if we decide to keep Conklin. You know, it's an opportunity cost. You keep Conklin, you have to let Logan Ryan go, and I don't think we're ready to do that. I think he's too important to the defense, um, and I think we find a way to make Ryan a Titan for the rest of his career. Guys, next up is Logan Ryan, but these are dominoes, and one falls in the other. If we are all kind of leaning that we not may not see Conklin, we don't see how that could kind of work. Logan Ryan, been an excellent player for us the last three years. His market value probably $9, $10 million a year. He's 31, older for a corner. He's well entrenched in this community. Any chance you guys see that we could get maybe a, a bit of a hometown discount for him? What do you think his number's going to be? And just your gut feeling, is is he going to be back? We'll start with you. I think this really comes down to what happens with Conklin, because if he comes back and he gets the contract, we think he does. I don't really see us being able let's to Let's assume that he doesn't. We, we've sort of decided that we don't think he is. So let's assume that we're, we're obviously going to top Tannehill, Henry, and not Conklin. What, what's your what would you think Ryan will get for how long and what that might look like? Well, then I would think he'd be back because we can afford it. He was our best cornerback overall. Along with Bard, he was maybe our best secondary player entirely. He makes such an all-around impact, but at the same time, he's on the wrong side of 30. This is likely his last long-term big-time deal. I think he gets around 8 to $10 million, two and a half guaranteed, two and a half years guaranteed. Just because he's older, he's not the most athletic. He's best in the slot, so he's really your nickelback. But at the same time, he's so good that he's going to get money. But I think he could get a bit more, but like you said, hometown discount. He loves it here. He does a lot of volunteer work with animal shelters. A lot of people love him here, and I think he likes it here. I bet he'd like to retire here when it's all said and done. John, I could see him going three years, $27, $28 million. Landon said a year and a half, two years guaranteed. Do you think that would get it done? And what's your gut feeling on on Ryan, assuming that Conklin uh, isn't going to be back? Oh, I would love – I really think Logan Ryan is so pivotal to this team. And I I think he's one of those guys that we need to get back regardless. So, I mean, that might be able to get it done. Uh, I'm looking right now at the average per year. And, man, I didn't realize so many of these top corners are – really paid the most expensive contract out there is Xavier Howard at a little over 15 million a year Malcolm Butler is currently at at 12.25 so I think 
and Logan was previously a 10. Yeah, 10. So, I mean, he might be able to do it for the same contract he had last year, last time, or maybe a little less. So I, I think it could get done. You know, this uh, league is, is copycat in a way. Uh, we've seen that. And we've seen our front office be bold the last couple of offseasons, especially last offseason, went after Saffold and Adam Humphreys. And I'm not just saying it's because the two teams that did this are in the Super Bowl, but I think if you do this for a living, it doesn't take you long to analytically understand quarterbacks and pass rush, especially in the playoffs. We do not have a traditional pass rush, and we have some guys that can hopefully get better. Kansas City got really bold and went out and gave up draft pick compensation and a lot of money to get Frank Clark. And then you saw San Francisco do the same thing for D Ford. We are in that spot where teams in the late first round, you'll see them give up first round picks because the team getting uh, someone for a star player can sell that to their fan base. Hey, we got a first round pick, even if it's 29. Guys, I could see something bold happen. If the way it falls out now and we find if Logan Ryan finds his way back to us, obviously we're going to tie up our top two guys, presumably. And if we let Conklin walk, we've there's some interesting franchised uh, pass rushers, defensive end and outside linebackers. There's some really interesting names like D. Ford and Frank Clark last year. And then just guys that are just going to be free agents. That number is so high. It's the second highest franchise number that a lot of these defensive ends aren't, if, they're, if they are franchised, they get traded or they lock them down to a long-term deal. Do you guys think uh, I could be right here? We saw, we have seen John Robinson get really bold after the guys he wants. Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans. I could see right now they're having this discussion. If we have this extra $17 million in space, if we cut this player, that player, and we let Conklin walk, they could have $17 million or so easy. Who do you think they might go after? And do you guys think uh, I could be onto something? Could we be making a bold move for a franchised or otherwise a, a soon-to-be free agent pass rusher? Well, I think it is a, a pretty good pretty good thought and strategy because obviously over the past couple of years, what's plagued us has been pass rush, and we haven't gotten that really well. I mean, Landry had nine sacks. Then you look at guys like Shaq Barrett who had, what, 19 sacks? We're nowhere near that. So I think that could be a really interesting possibility. You know, we're letting these guys walk, and I think maybe a guy, I know you're not always super high on him, but like Jadavian Clowney or... Um, well, I'm not, but we, yeah. the missing piece from our team on paper to be a Super Bowl contender is what? One thing. If we can get Ryan Tannehill to be even 13th best quarterback in the NFL next year, we're going to be a really good uh, playoff caliber team. Yeah, he was top five when he played last year, but you know we don't even need. We just need to be top ten. Would be great, yeah. right? Well, so what are we missing beyond that? We are missing a traditional pass rush because uh, Mahomes danced all over us, and he'll do it next year. So I think they're in that room being bold, saying, "Hey." Everybody expects us to just bring everybody back, but what if we swung for the fences with Jadavian Clowney? What if we tried to swing a deal for, and this would be tough in division, but Jacksonville has made such a mess of them thing, of that, and I know Ngakwe says he's not coming back, but here's the thing. Ngakwe is going back to Jacksonville because they can franchise him, but they don't really have the money. I think they're going to franchise and then trade Ngakwe. There are some really interesting names on the board, and yes, yeah, San Francisco, Kansas City, and Seattle got really bold last year, but I don't think there's any of those guys are uh, any more bold than John Robinson, right? No, I don't think so. And one thing that, you know, your hypothetical got my wheels turning and, you know, kind of what they might be thinking in the front office. And maybe they're saying, you know what, maybe we make something bold and, you know, we've proven that we can win with two really good cornerbacks and, you know, even honestly less than that since the Dory wasn't healthy for most of the playoff run or all of it. You know, maybe they think, Okay, we get Malcolm Butler back, and he's probably he's our number one corner, and then we roll with Adoree Jackson and let Logan walk, and then we have, like you said, the extra extra cap room, or maybe but, even. The- but if they let Conklin walk, as much money as they've rolled over, and when they cut a few guys, they're going to have the money unless Logan Ryan thinks he's worth twelve million dollars a year. They're going to have. 17 to 20 million dollars depending on what they do with Correa and other guys. I mean, the idea is I haven't heard this much, but we could be a player for a pass rusher, whether a guy who is currently on a team or a free agent. And so I just kind of wanted to see if y'all thought I was crazy on that, but I I think you honestly, they've already gotten their mind what they're going to offer 
the guys we're talking about. That's what they're talking about this week, right, Landon? They're talking about, hey, who could we go out and make this a Super Bowl contender? Who, What pass rusher could we get uh, that could be the icing on the cake? Absolutely. All the big-time guys actually fit our system, fit our need as a 3-4 outside linebacker, outside Harold Landry. And just to add a name that we didn't talk about, he's not the caliber of Ngakwe, Shaq Barrett, or Devian Clowney, but Dante Fowler is a really good fit for our system yeah, opposite is. Landry. And after kind of being miscast and being hurt in Jacksonville, this past year in L.A., he really stepped up for the Rams. He had 11 and a half sacks, played much better, even though the team didn't play that great. And he makes a lot of sense, and he'll be certainly cheaper than all these other guys because Clowney is probably the biggest name, and Gakwe is going to be tagged and traded. And then Shaq Barrett is coming off 19 and a half sacks. So someone's going to pay big-time money for a guy who gets that many sacks. So yeah. Dante Fowler, I think, can slip under the radar a bit in terms of how much he's going to cost. But he's still a very good player that would immediately be probably our best pass rusher, even better than Hale Landry right out the gate. Well, you see what D. Ford and Frank Clark and these other guys got. They got between 17 and $20 million a year. That's big money. So, yeah, uh, we could potentially be in that market. That's what Jadavion Clowney apparently wants 20 And Gakwe's market is 17 He maybe want more. But that's going to be about where he is. He's like 24 years old, and he's not as prolific of a sack guy, but he has a lot of potential. You bring up a really great point. Dante Fowler, he'll scare some people because he had a slow start in Jacksonville. But looking back on it, John, that looked more like Jacksonville problem. And how amazing would it be if we signed this guy for $15 million a year and he just beats up on his old team? Huh. I'm sure Because Landon makes a too. great point that he would be a good fit for our scheme. Yeah, he, he probably would. So, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So it'll be – Really, really interesting to see what happens. Free agent pass rushers. So we talked about Clowney, um, talked about yep. Fowler. What if the Falcons uh, don't bring back Vic Beasley? That could happen. He's about 26 years old. His sack numbers aren't big, but wouldn't <laughs> he be kind of ideal for us? Now, yeah, there are better guys, but uh, I think we're in a we're in a place where they're really going to think we're one player away. And I, I think it, a guy like that that maybe we're not thinking of, because what's Atlanta's motivation there? I, I think, uh, and this is a guy that we could – Get here for 15, 16, 17. It's a lot of money. But I think they're going to just swing for the fences. I absolutely do. What do y'all think of Beasley? Absolutely not. I do not want to see Beasley number whatever he wears in two-tone blue next (laughs) offseason. He had one good year after being a first-round pick, and it came with 15 and a half sacks. He did lead the league, but he had an abnormally high pressure to sack rate, which is how often do you get a quarterback pressure? How often do those translate into sacks? He finished off quarterback sacks at an immensely high pace, he regressed to the mean, and suddenly he's not that good. Because guess what? If you're getting sacks you normally don't get, inevitably you'll regress to the mean. You won't be getting as many sacks. He's not great against the run. If you're not great against the run, you're not great against the pass as a pass rusher, then I don't want you on my team, especially <laughs> if you're going to cost money in free agency. All right, Landon has inspired me. I loved that. I want, I'm going to give hot round. You guys have 30 seconds or less. When I give you all a name, you have to tell me – what you're just gut feeling about them coming to the town and us paying them, you know, whatever their market value is. Cause one of these guys I think is going to be on our team. These are guys that are free agents or we, some of them might have to franchise, but these are guys that are probably going to hit the market. Okay. John, you ready for your first one? What's his fit with us? What do you think? He's a stealer. So I don't want him. I don't care what he plays, what he does. Landon, I I could forget about his, um, his former colors pretty quick. That that's not a bad fit. Is it right? Oh, not at all. He fits great. Another 3-4 outside linebacker. He's good against against the pass and against the run. He's well-rounded. He's had a pretty linear development. He's gone better generally every year. He started off slow. He didn't look that great. But he's been trending, and he's been rising, and he's starting to enter his physical prime. I wouldn't mind it. And he's definitely a lower-level candidate than some of these top names, so he won't cost as much. Yeah, but uh, just look at the last three years of free agency. These guys, it's like, wow, they got what? And they are going to get good money. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've outlined how these guys, if we make some tough decisions, could be affordable. John, Jamie Collins, obviously the uh, New England connection gets beat to death. This guy's looked good recently. Yeah, I mean, he had a resurgence. And I, I'll tell you what, his first go-around with the, with the Patriots, I loved him. He was incredible. And then he went to the – he was cast away to the Browns and then came back to the homeland of New England and really played really well. I wouldn't mind seeing him in two-tone blue. I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he's really versatile um, and can play a lot of different different positions, and I think that would be great for us. Landon, what about – you mentioned him earlier, but Shaq Barrett. 
I think I would be for it just for something new and exciting because in Denver, he was stuck behind great players all the time. DeMarcus Ward, Von Miller, and then Bradley Chubb, who went fifth overall. So he maybe just never had a chance to show off his potential. But in Tampa Bay, even though he started off hot, you don't get 19 and a half sacks, a bunch of forced fumbles, being first team all pro. It doesn't happen by accident. He's another perfect fit for our scheme. And he's going to cost a lot of money. I think after Clowney, he'll probably cost the most. But he's the guy where I feel most comfortable about swinging for the fences where this guy can be a number one pass rusher. This this guy can be a player team's fear when it's third down, their quarterback's dropping back. I think if we could afford him, it'd be very interesting just because of the potential just because of the potential he gives this defense. Big fella Shaq Lawson might be hitting free agency. He seems like a good fit just in personality, right? Yeah, I don't think that he'll probably come here because he he was the one who had some beef with Taylor Luan through Twitter, I believe. So I just think there's a lot of bad blood there. Whatever, they'll be, be, they'll be drinking beer at the top of Twitter if they all... You're right, and, and that no, probably yeah. will happen. I mean, but I just don't... I don't see him coming here, but he would be an interesting player because he's definitely a good player. I guarantee you guys, this is the same conversation they're um, they're having uh, in Baptist because I think we need one of these guys, and we'll take our shot. Shaq Barrett, he's not quite a, a one one year wonder, but you just wonder about him, what he would look like in a different scheme. But some of these guys are really interesting names. Another one, Landon, what would you think of Mario Addison? I think the average NFL fan may not know a lot about him, but we saw him in Charlotte. He played really well. That's that's a very eh move. It's kind of like Cameron Wake. He's older. He doesn't offer the potential and the youthful upside that a guy like Shaq Bear or Dante Fowler does. But he'd be good death. He'd probably start right away just because our pass rush is kind of weak right now. And he'd be decent. He'd be like Cam Wake. He'll come in. He'll be a good veteran presence. He'll be good on the field, but it doesn't really raise my excitement it's a good team building move if you get them at a decent right. number but it's not really something that elevates this defense to a different level at all yeah all the guys that i mentioned i think the argument could be made they'd be day one our best pass rusher and those are the guys in the market and we mentioned you know seven or eight guys so there are other guys but if we sign zeke ansaw who's an older player i know you you've liked him over the years uh, big fella or if we sign like a Bruce Irvin, I'm going to be like, okay, that's good. But these other guys would be like, hey, Jadavian Clowney, huh, okay, let's see, buckle up. Or um, because these guys are out there and they just get tons of money for this position. But, you know, if if we find a way and we get really bold and we were to somehow get, uh, it just doesn't seem possible because Jacksonville hates us so much. But what if what if we came away with, I mean, what if what if we came away with Ngakwe? That sounds crazy, but they're going to have to trade him to somebody because of their cap, right, Landon? So, I mean, is that a total impossibility? Oh, absolutely not. Ngakwe is very possible because they're going to have to do a lot of cap moves just to get on the cap, not even to make moves and bring back free agents. Several key players are going to be cut. And Ngakwe, obviously, has said he's not going back. And he's a good player. Teams are going to want to trade for him. So he'll be tagged and traded like D. Ford and Frank Clark were. And if it were to us, I don't know how I feel about giving up assets for him. He's got a lot of potential, but he's not great against the run. Right. And Frank Clark, very well rounded. D four, not so much, but at the same time, the San the 49ers have four first round talents on that D line before you get to D Ford. So it's just taking a good it's taking a great positional group and making it just unbearably stacked. Our defensive line is not that, so well, I, I don't know. As... If you put a great pass rusher on our team, we got three good guys against the run. Uh, I, I think you have a great sentiment there. But, John, Ngakwe might be ideal for us because he doesn't need to be. I think we need more athleticism and speed over the end, right? Yeah, I'll tell you what. The times we played Jacksonville recently, he's one of the guys I, I oh, key yeah. on because I think he's an incredible pass rusher. He eats and us alive. I would he love just to has, see him. He has a motor about him that doesn't stop. And I'll tell you what. It's within the realm of possibilities. Like proof is, if Bill Belichick can make any type of trade with the Cleveland Browns, right? True. There's no more. There's no worse bad blood than than between he and the, than the Browns. So, I think anything could happen. I think normally it's like no, that wouldn't happen just because of whatever. And normally, Ngake would say, "I'm not coming back," and they'd be like, "Well, whatever. We we're gonna." Frame. But they have given all that money to two quarterbacks in successive years that they are literally over the cap. And, yeah, they're going to do some things to get free, but they're not going to have 
you know, $20 million or 18, whatever it's going to take to sign him. And at the end of the day, they might get a better deal for him. But if they get our 29th pick this year and our second round next year, I know that's steep, but you look at what Kansas City got for D Ford and you look at what Seattle got for Frank Clark. We may, we may cough a little bit. We may, whoa. Uh, but I could see us being bold, giving up some picks and trying to land the right guy. John, what would you, your immediate reaction be if it's like, oh yeah, we gave up our first round pick and we've signed, we've signed him to a big deal, a guy like that. Uh, or specifically Ngakwe or, yeah, or Ngakwe, a guy like that? Because I know that. you're higher on Ngakwe than Landon is. I'm high I on him. Yeah. I, I am high on him. I think first round pick for anybody I'm not like jumping through the roof for is is steep for me. But listen, if it's a move that is going to make us better and we think that it will work, I'm I'm for it. I would hate to give the Jaguars. Well, actually, I, let them have another first round pick. They'll probably blow it. But me personally, I always I always covet first round picks. But you know that's not where we make our hay in the draft. So. If John Robinson thinks it's a strategy he wants to go with, then then I'll be behind it. Guys, those are our biggest decisions uh, in free agency. Obviously, Tannehill, Henry, Conklin, Ryan, the decision of whether we're going to bring back some veterans that have been great for us, it's some tough decisions there. And then I think big possibility of swinging for the fences with uh, one of these addressers. That, to me, are our biggest primer for free agency. All right, and just a quick update on the – tag situation because this is the last year of the current NFL CBA teams are allowed to actually use both the franchise and transition tags at the same time before it was only one or the other but since it's the last year it can be both so we could franchise Stan Hill maintain leverage over him and if we think Conklin is going to get massive money we can't afford to match and otherwise it would hamper our cap we could then at the same time transition Conklin and set it up where if he does leave for big money we get assets. So very interesting circumstance where this thing develops as the CBA is ending, allowing us to manipulate a franchise quarterback and a top tier tackle to our benefit. I'm glad you bring that up because we've seen John Robinson just take advantage of every opportunity. And so usually I don't consider the transition tag so much. I I think John Landon's onto something. And uh, you know, John Robinson is just looking in every corner to see what advantage he can get. I, I think that puts that in play. Oh, yeah. I think it's a really good possibility. The transition tag is very helpful. I don't think we've, we see it used very often, but it would be interesting to see how it worked with the right tackle. Because then, I mean, that might even set the stage for Dennis Kelly. So let's say we transition tag Conklin. Somebody comes back and be like, oh, we're going to give him $20 million or something crazy. We're like, all right, see ya. And then, you know, Kelly at 10 might not be a bad signing. So I, I don't know about Kelly at 10 ever, but I, you never I, think, know. I think that level of creativity that you're seeking, I think we're going to see just a lot of different scenarios uh, in that CBA. It's going to make it even more interesting. But I'm just I'm just giving notice to our fans. Don't be surprised if we trade that first round pick. I know they're valuable to us and there'll be a valuable player there. I think after what happened it, to end our season, I think they're down there and they smell blood. I think they're going to do because – Think about it. The fan bases probably weren't pumped about D. Ford and Frank Clark, and those guys aren't the reason of the Super Bowl, but they understand it's just as much pass rush as you can get from all corners. And when you think you're close, and the 49ers thought they were close, although they were they had the second pick last year. They loaded up. KC loaded up. And I think we're see our window now. I think we're going to load up. So don't be surprised if we're a player in free agency. And it's just going to be really interesting. Enjoy Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. I'm already thinking about who, who we're going to bring back, who we can add to this team. So, yeah, the season's over for us. But in a way, it feels like it's just getting started. We'll be back with you next week. We'll cover uh, what happened at the Super Bowl and keep you up on what's happened with the Titans. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.